Welcome to the Upper 90 Football Podcast, providing American coverage and opinions on all things football. I'm Justin Ruderman. And I'm Garrett Post. And today we will be covering the Nations League final, as well as the USMNT uh, World Cup qualifiers. So, so far we are through two games, Jamaica and Panama, still with Costa Rica to come. But before we get to kind of the main course of this episode, if you will, Justin, let's start actually with the Nations League semifinals leading up into that final dramatic uh, final the other day. Um, and we'll start with Spain and um, a lot of talk about Manchester City's own Ferran Torres carrying Spain to victory in the Nations League semifinal. Um, great performance from him. Justin, what were your thoughts on that game overall? Yeah, as you say, Ferran Torres with the brace to send them to the final. Um, of course, he, Benucci's red card uh, was, was a contributing factor uh, as Ferran scored his second right before the halftime after uh, Bonucci got the red card. But I, I think that we saw a really impressive performance from Spain. Obviously, they, they controlled the possession the entire game with 75% possession, really insane. But, uh, that, I mean, that's fine for Italy. They don't need to control possession. That's not how they're set up. That is how Spain are set up. So I think everyone expected that coming into the game, regardless of the result. Um, but it, it, it ended up working out for Spain because there was, I mean, it, it went both ways. There was chances on both sides, but Spain's chances were better. And obviously they capitalized uh, better. So I, I, I see a lot of calls for Ferran Torres to be that nine as obviously city do not have, and are looking for um, w with his brace here. A lot of city fans continue to call for him to just get his, get more time there and stop with the rotation. Yeah, because he was playing there, you know, the first few game weeks of the season, and then it's kind of been – he's been dropped from that position almost a bit with some other players rotating in as, like, false nines or, you know, Jesus has deputized there a couple times. But I think it's pretty clear to see now that Ferran Torres is City's best option at striker. And, yeah, you say, you know, Italy aren't necessarily set up to have all that um, much possession – and also, yeah, Spain definitely are under Luis Enrique, you know, just kind of a typical thing for them to do, especially when they're up a man for over half of the match. You expect Spain to control it that much. I think Italy were still, you know, relatively effective. Eight shots, five on target uh, to Spain's four shots on target. And then they had 13, so weren't able to put as many on target. But obviously they got more to go in through Ferran Torres, who, who has been quite clinical so far this season. Um, and Pellegrini did end up getting what turned out to just be a consolation goal in, in the 83rd minute. But I think it's a really impressive victory for Spain, you know, um, and, and we'll get on to it. The, the final didn't uh, quite go their way. But the fact of the matter is that Italy had an insane unbeaten run going into this game. I forget what the exact number was, something in the 30s, right? The, the high 30s. And, and Spain were, were the only team who's been able to take them out in, you know, a couple years even since uh, Mancini became Italy's manager. So, no, definitely a big win for them. And I think it's perplexing that the whole world can see Ferran Torres is able to play as, as a makeshift striker, you know, at least until City sign a proper number nine, hopefully next summer for, in your sake, for your sake, rather. But, um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, people are, I think people are really starting to recognize his, his talent worldwide. I mean, we saw earlier today, 
the Telegraph football released their what they called Project 2000, or they're a list of the 30 best youngsters in Europe right now. For on tours, they put 14th on that list. So not too bad. No, and let's now go across to the other semifinal, which was quite the game as France came from behind to defeat Belgium. And I mean, Justin, how did Belgium let this get away? They scored twice in four minutes at the end of the first half, 2-0 lead at halftime, sitting pretty, and, and they just threw it away. They really did. Absolutely, they did. And the reason is, well, I'm sure you're going you're gonna to blame Roberto Martinez, which I'll hear about in a second, but I give credit to Kareem Benzema. This man continues to turn games around for Madrid, for Spain. He, he's so clinical and he's so clutch. For France. The way he started the season is absolutely – yeah, sorry. For, yes, sorry. Um, for Real Madrid and for France, he, he continues to score these really clutch goals um, to turn games around and, and come from behind. Uh, it's really impressive, and I tweeted about it earlier. It's it's something that I just wouldn't want to face Kareem Benzema right now. If there's any striker right now in the world I don't want to face, it's Kareem Benzema more than Kane, more than Lewandowski, uh, more than Lukaku. But as far as Belgium go, I mean, what a, what a disaster for them. They are up 2-0 at halftime. All you got to do is hold on, don't concede two goals, don't concede three goals, and that's exactly what they do. No, I mean, it's pro- – and, and you, you uh, kind of foreshadowed it there. But this is a prototypical Roberto Martinez thing to do. I suffered through his reign at Everton for three years. I mean, the first season was fantastic, don't get me wrong. But after that, it was bottle job after bottle job after bottle job. The man cannot protect a lead to save his life. You know, there are so many instances where we lost games that I, I still – to this day, you know, six years later, don't understand how we lost. For example, we're winning at, West, uh, at, at home against West Ham in 2015. We're 2-0 up in the 78th minute. We lost that game 3-2, you know. Or how about uh, Bournemouth? We're on the road at Bournemouth, their first season in the league. We're up 2-0. It comes back to 2-2. We scored what we thought was the winner in the 94th minute and then conceded with the last kick of the game. I mean, it's just, this is not surprising to me. It, it really isn't. It, it's just what they do. And also when you look at Belgium's personnel, they're a top heavy team. They have a lot of talent going forward, but the back line, Alderweireld, Denayer, Vertonghen, you know, Vertonghen and Alderweireld are far past their best at this point. You know, that was probably about 2016 when they were just rock solid for Spurs, maybe a little later when they got to the, champ- to the Champions League final. But it doesn't surprise me that, you know, they have this offensive capability, but they weren't able to hold on to this lead. They couldn't defend well enough. And they ended up, you know, going from a comfortable position to conceding a whole bunch of chances, you know, a silly penalty given up by Yuri Tielemans on Griezmann and France were clinical. They took their chances um, and, and all three of the goals very well taken. Obviously Benzema scoring the first Mbappe sticking said penalty top Benz and then Theo Hernandez with a lovely strike. Um, in uh, the 90th minute to win it for France. Um, But yeah, it's Belgium. We were just talking about this off air. Their golden era, and I'll have you read out the Kevin De Bruyne quote in a second, but their golden generation, you know, they've been the number one ranked team in the world for X amount of years, and they have absolutely nothing to show for it. Yeah. I mean, exactly what I was going to say. Is this the end of the Belgium 
golden generation, we have to have that discussion because they have been top of the world rankings, as you say, for FIFA uh, for, for years now, and they have won absolutely nothing. And it's, uh, as you say, Kevin De Bruyne had a quote. It came after, not after that France-Belgium game, but after the Italy game, the third place match where they lost to Italy 2-1. to one. Um, He said, with all due respect, we are just Belgium. It's a new generation. We were missing Romelu Lukaku and Eden Hazard today. So we have to be realistic about the team we have. Italy, France, and Spain have 22 top players to choose from, and we do not. So obviously, they had Lukaku. Um, in, in Hazard in, in the France game. This was after the uh, Italy game, so that's that's where that came from. But regardless, he, his point is that France, Spain, Italy are the, the teams he named, but the top teams have 22 players, top players to choose from. They have a, a top first team and they have a top second team, and there's always competition within there to just whoever's in top form, who's, who's performing really well, who's going to win this game. And the the Belgium golden generation is put on essentially the backs of Eden Hazard, Kevin De Bruyne, and Romelu Lukaku. Uh, Thibaut Courtois, I guess, can be in there as well. Is there is it really fair to expect them to be beating these teams? I mean, they've never had the depth that these other nations are have had. And like you look at the final, Rafa Varane gets injured, and France have you know. Upa Makano to bring off the bench or even if they didn't have Upa Makano they have Chouameni or they have these other good players a lot of young players breaking through I mean France's depth is a joke and when you compare it to Belgium it's just night and day like you look at Belgium's bench and you know there's not many names that jump off the page you have Michi Bashwai who's playing in Turkey nowadays Leandro Trossard you know who is a Brighton level player and then you compare that and you look at France who just casually have Anthony Martial and Moussa Diaby and Luca Dean and Wissam Ben Yedder. And, and this isn't even like the strongest bench that we've seen from them. You know, it's just, yeah, I think, honestly, I think De Bruyne's comments are fair. You know, Belgium's golden generation is like five or six players. Meanwhile, France, Italy, I think maybe Spain to a little bit of a lesser degree have just significantly better depth. And that's why they're, they're able to adapt to situations and overcome these kind of obstacles that Belgium just consistently cannot. Yeah. It it may just be a result of the way that FIFA ranks teams. Um, They they don't really look at this depth. That's not how they rank. They rank based on the results that teams get. And while Belgium continue to fail in in the top uh, tournaments, they continue to, you know, get to the, uh, last hurdle almost they got to you know beating brazil in the world cup incredible scenes and things like that but they can't finish it off um, and then they will the euros. It, be portugal in the euros right right be portugal in the euros exactly but then and and they'll come back and they'll beat all the other teams that they should beat in qualifying and whatever else so it gets them those those fifa points to boost them up in the rankings but should they really have been there for the past few years probably not no i agree so now let's uh, talk about the final itself. Um, a, a, another great game, actually, and another comeback by France. It was Mikel Oyazabal who opened the scoring for Spain with a really tidy finish in the 64th minute. And just two minutes later, Justin, it's that man that you were talking about, perhaps the most informed striker in the world, probably right next to Lewandowski, Karim Benzema, 
getting France back on level terms almost immediately with a fantastic finish into the top right corner. And then it's Mbappe doing what Mbappe does, finding the winner in the 80th minute. Um, I mean, again, Spain dominated possession, kind of as you'd expect under Luis Enrique, but France found a way to get it done. And that's why, as you, you tweeted, kind of posed this question, I, I do still believe that France are the best national team in the world at the moment. Yeah, hard to argue that point uh, when they won the World Cup and now the Nations League. Of course, they stumbled in the uh, Euros against Switzerland, but it's it, it's hard to demote them from the best team in the world just by one mistake of, of a game, you know, it happens. Um, but as far as this game, yeah, uh, the first half might have not, might not have been the most interesting, may not have been final worthy, but that second half was certainly uh, end-to-end and, and interesting. Um, as you say, Oriazabal, I cannot pronounce it. Uh, Michael yeah, Oriazabal. Right. Yeah. I try my best. But or actually, he, I think uh, the Z is kind of like a thud, like Oyarzabal is some way. Oyarzabal. You know, the, the British commentators who just love to try to pronounce everything perfectly. Yeah. No, one thing you'll always get here is is a breakdown of the pronunciations because we like to try to do our best. Um, we can't always do our best. We can't always succeed in that, though. Um, but, yes, he, he, he had a really nice goal um, pushing off the defender and, and just finishing into the bottom right corner. But, yeah, as you say, Benzema, he just does it. He did it in the semi. He did it in the final. He turns games around for France. And uh, the finish that he had, I mean, what a goal. Absolute beauty uh, bending it around the keeper into the corner. I think, I believe the keeper even got a touch and pushed it. Uh, Simone got a touch, pushed it even further into the corner. Um, but yeah, and then, and then Mbappe, there will be controversy over that goal, of course. Yeah. Uh, Mbappe was offside, obviously. Um, but the, the rationale that I've been hearing is, uh, is that Eric Garcia on the through ball to Mbappe got a, got a small touch and they called that, you know, no longer offside because the the defender got a touch on it. In my opinion, very questionable call. Uh, It's, it's one where I don't think it changed very much of the pass and, and it's not like he gained possession or anything like that. I think that should be called offside. I think VR should call that. Um, yeah, even even if, he, even, even if he did touch it, it's still not changing the trajectory or the target of the pass whatsoever. That should still be offside. But, you know, going past that, the, the finish itself, the little jig from Mbappe, it's just kind of classic what he did, kind of uh, shades of what he did to Bayern in the Champions League um, last season. It's just kind of a typical Mbappe goal and honestly kind of good to see from him considering he's been in, in a downturn of form. Obviously there was a lot made out of his underperformance at the Euros. So, I mean, it was offside aside. Um, it, it was a, it was a great goal and a very typical Mbappe goal to, to win a final. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was, it was absolutely. And he didn't, he, I don't think he had the greatest game in this final either, but you know, you score the winner and, you'll grab the headlines. Um, so, so people will shut up a little bit uh, when that happens. Definitely. And you so with move that, on I, to yeah, the U S yeah, let's do it. I'll say with that, let's move on to the U S we'll start um, with the, the first game of the window um, in Austin at Q2 stadium, the U S coming up against a Leon Bailey list, Jamaica. And it's that man again, Ricardo Pepe, Popping up with two goals 
to give the U.S. all three points, which at the time took them to top of the table due to the fact that Mexico and Canada drew right after. Um, thoughts on this one, Justin? And, and I'm sure, you know, this is all about Ricardo Pepe. Of course, it is. I will have to say a disclaimer. I was in class during this game, so I was watching while taking my notes. But um, <laughs> it was it, it was it was a good game. It was uh, very entertaining. I was jumping up and down in the middle of class, grabbing my friends and shaking them uh, and screaming Ricardo Pepe. My teacher did not when it was going on, um, but it was a, a really good performance. I one thing that's really stood out to me was was the. Uh, pairing between Zimmerman and Robinson. Um, I, I know a lot of people have issues with Zimmerman getting that, uh, getting that start. I think he's having a fair claim for that fourth best center back spot on the U S right now. And the partnership he showed with Robinson against Jamaica was, was very solid. Um, also having to finally get to see that McKenney Adams Musa midfield that we've been wanting to see for a long time has been great. Uh, obviously Musa has been injured for a while, um, uh, very, very enjoyable to see that. And then, yeah, the, Pepe stole the headlines. I mean, he is the youngest U.S. player to score in back-to-back World Cup qualifiers. So he took another stat to his name, another record that he can uh, take. But it, it was it was actually a good performance overall, and it was finally good to see because we know that first window, we were struggling a little bit, especially just with our performances. Eventually we ended up getting enough points to not come out of the window poorly, but it's finally good to see a a good performance. And yes, it is at home. Yes, it is against Jamaica. um, But our bottom of the table. Right. But, and and without their best player, but it was an overall good performance. Um, It was, and and it was it was a controlled performance, and it the the worry is that it did take Pepe uh, until the second half to to save us really and win the game for us that nobody else can do, um, which is why like City U.S. has been looking for a number nine and hopefully Pepe then could be that guy I believe he is which um, came up again in the Panama game but yeah it's a good win for us against Jamaica. Yeah, I just quickly want to mention, I thought that uh, Timothy Weo was fantastic after coming on in the second half. He was so dangerous, shouldn't have, should have had an assist um, because when Pepe got substituted off while on his hat trick, which honestly it pissed me off, but we were all thinking, oh, well, that's fine. Well, it means hopefully he'll start against Panama. Spoiler alert, he didn't. Um, but Zardes <laughs> came on and just somehow – missed this just you know way just completely skinned his man um which i think was Alvis powell on the on the on our left side jamaica's right and played and put it on a plate for zardes and he just completely missed the ball just i don't know his reaction was super late if he had stuck his leg out you know any earlier it would have been an absolute tap and so that should have been an assist for uh for Tim Wea who I thought was great and then it it would have been Pepe's hat trick had he not been substituted off um but I I still don't understand why you know Berhalter took him off so he he didn't have the opportunity to get a hat trick which he would have ended up getting um and then he doesn't even start him against Panama so like I I I just don't understand that Berhalter is you know we we were talking about it off air He's getting just as hard to guess as Pep Guardiola, who's, you know, notorious for Pep roulette and FPL and everything. And it's just 
very puzzling at times. Very much so. Yeah. And that's, that's what I think that we'll get into moving on to this uh, Panama game. Yeah. I think that's is, our segue right there. And yeah, it's, I mean, a terrible lineup. I mean, what is this lineup that Greg Berhalter put out? It's essentially just a second team. Obviously we're missing, you know, Stefan and McKinney and Robinson uh, due to their, they're not traveling to Panama uh, due Anthony to COVID Robinson, restrictions. That is. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Thank you for the clarification. Anthony Robinson. Um, but still, I mean, I was so confused when I saw that this was our lineup. I, don't understand why Zardis is starting. If you're going to no. bench Pepe, which first of all, we just said we don't want to see, you start Hoppy. You don't start Zardes. Um, as, you, as you said, he missed a, a sitter. Uh, but I just, Berhalter, we know, has this soft spot for Zardes. It's almost like he's his son. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what it is. But, and then, and then Ariola starting again. I, a weird, weird idea there. I don't know. I can't really explain these things. Look, Costa, Acosta and Legette played 90 minutes. I mean, this is starting them is one thing, but leaving them on. I mean, I, it's, it's like we had five subs and we had nine problems. So we couldn't have enough subs to fix all the problems that he started off with. Musa is the only Musa. I'm glad started McKenzie. I'm glad started. Um, Wea, I'm glad started. Other than that, I, I don't really understand it. The, yeah, the... I mean, I was I, yeah, no, I, I was just gonna say I think yeah, Wea I think deserved that start after just how well he played off the bench, but like if you're not if you're gonna bench Pepe for this game, then why are you hooking him off when he's on a hat trick in the game before? I don't understand that at all. I don't understand why when Brennan Aronson also got subbed off, he's on the bench for Ariola. It, it, it doesn't make sense, and I don't know. I, I think Mark McKenzie playing is interesting. Uh, I don't know. It's just kind of puzzling across the board. Um, I think the both Acosta and Leggett being in there is a little questionable as well. And then, I mean, the, yeah, the whole Zardes thing, you know, he's third choice for me at this point. And I don't know. It, it just doesn't make sense. And then, you know, didn't Chris Richards didn't – I would rather have Chris Richards out there than McKenzie, I think. And he – and Chris Richards didn't play a minute in this window. Yeah, exactly right. And he needs to have minutes – he should he should be getting minutes um we which we will preview uh costa rica and give our predicted lineups for that later but i there's just so many problems richards is one of them i mean legit and acosta legit is one of my least favorite players on the u.s national team i don't understand why he keeps getting called up he is not national team level i cannot remember a single progressive pass that he played in the panama game um he is back pass merchant it's all he does uh, I mean, Acosta, I, I enjoyed during the Nations League Gold Cup. I thought he, his stock was rising and he was playing really well. And he, but he's a good enough to be coming off the bench and filling gaps when, when, when need be. Um, but he's not a 90 minutes guy. It's not what we should be playing him as. So it, it's, it's very problematic. I would rather have simply seen uh, Busio and De La Torre start over the two. But, I mean, obviously Adams should start, in my opinion, but I, I get that you're not going to play f all three games. Um, I get that. But I also question, like, if, you, if you're going to rest people, why are you, rest, why are you resting in the hardest game of the window? That that's, makes no sense. Panama away is obviously going to be the hardest game of the window. Rather, Jamaica at home sh should be a win, 
and Costa Rica at home should be a win. So yeah. if you're going to rest them, rest them in one of those two. Don't no, that's rest them in, 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 in the Panama game when we need the best players. And of course, I get it. We're, we're missing McKinney, who is a crucial player to us. But Adams is arguably the most important player to this USMNT team. And if you're not putting him in there in a game like this, which, I mean, you saw the, the difference he made when he came on in the second half. It was immediately more control on the midfield. And, and he was sticking in tackles and trying to play out. He needed more help, obviously. But there was, there was a difference. In the, in the first half, the Panama controlled the midfield. And our midfield was really nowhere to be seen. I mean, I'd say the fact that McKinney is missing – means that that much more Adams should be starting because you need him that much more with McKinney missing. Like I, I don't, if you're going to, yeah, if you're going to rest Adams, then you rest him in the game where you don't have your other best midfielder, not in the game where you don't have him. So like you have McKinney against Jamaica, you have McKinney against Costa Rica. So then why is the one game that you choose to rest Adams going to be the game where McKinney isn't there? It doesn't make any sense. Yep. I don't know. And, and I think that even Burhalter, I, I believe Burhalter admitted after the game that the lineup was not the, what, what needed to be made to beat uh, Panama, which was good to see. But I just, my issue is I don't see Burhalter getting sacked for, for really, I mean, anything, even if let's say we, we had a shock loss to Costa Rica, I still don't see him getting sacked after that. So it's one of those things where it almost feels like we get to qualification and, and he coaches our next world cup or, or we don't, and he gets sacked, but neither of those am, am I really happy about? I don't, I don't want to see Greg Berhalter coaching us in a world cup, but I, I don't want to miss out obviously. So that's, that's the better case scenario. So. Yeah, I mean, let's just hope that we don't lose against Costa Rica. That would be big problems. That would see us uh, most likely drop out of qualification spots again. Uh, let's no, not but this jinx he, that, he should but. no, but he should no, but he should be under pressure for a loss to Panama. Even if it is away, we've never lost to Panama in World Cup qualifying until yeah. now. So th- these are not simple losses. They're they're bad losses, and. Th- it's, it's games that he should be winning. It's games that he should be tactically much better than. I mean, tactically, he was. There, there's no tactics to this team. I don't understand what he was really trying to do besides hope that his, his players can fix it and put out a B team as those players. I, I don't know. I, I, I get frustrated talking about it sometimes because it's so confusing. It makes so little sense that even trying to sit here and, and explain to our listeners what we think he's doing. It's hard. No. And you say bad losses. If we lose Costa Rica, these are two very bad losses, but in, I will just kind of play devil uh, devil's advocate here, even though I do agree with you and I'm not a Burhalter fan myself. I mean, this is the first game we've lost in qualifying. This is the first game we've lost since, Let's see. Well, I'm, I'm going back right now. I'm having a very hard time finding the last game. The last game we lost was that friendly against Switzerland. So in all of these competitive games, that's now here already. I'm going to count them right now. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. So we went 13 competitive games without losing. So I think, yeah, obviously we should not be losing to Panama. 
Um, the atmosphere there was great. That's not an excuse. I'll just say, you know, credit to Panama. I, they totally yeah. deserve to win the game. They were significantly better than we were. But I think this Costa Rica game is big. If we win, it puts us back on that trajectory. I think a draw or a loss is are both very poor results. I think um, that could end up causing a bit of trouble, a bit of panic. It, this is a game that we must win just due to the fact that it is in a circumstance against Costa Rica who are not performing particularly well. They're only in fifth place, um, only a point above El Salvador, who they narrowly beat, um, being up a man. So I, it, it, this really is just moving on to, I guess we'll preview and we'll do a Greg roulette, I guess is what we'll call it. Try to see who, who <laughs> might be playing against Costa Rica, but going into it thinking, you know, this is a game – there are no excuses to not win this. Yeah, and just quickly on that point, I, it's we felt the same way going into Honduras at the last game of the last window. And it's a must-win game because we had two. They weren't losses, but they were two poor results. Drawing to El Salvador away is a game we should be winning. Drawing to Canada at home is a game we should be winning. Now, obviously, no, neither of those are horrible, horrible results, but they're, they're indicative of the problem of we're not having the best results. Obviously, the, the 4-1 against Honduras looked, looked great, but it really wasn't as, as amazing as it was. I mean, there were three very late goals in that game. So that's, that's why it's like, okay, we don't have a ton of losses. Yes, Panama's our first real bad loss, but the results aren't always there. And if we're going into the last game of each window thinking it's a must win, it's not great. Now, of course, going, moving on to this Costa Rica game, uh, we know that Jose Guillermo Ortiz is out. And we also know that now Joel Campbell has been ruled out for uh, Costa Rica. So those are two I know qualities. That. That's big. I was going to say, that's big. I, I was not aware of that. Yeah, so th- both of those are, are out which is, yes, as Garrett says, very big. Um, those are two good players, um, especially Joel Campbell is one of Costa Rica's best players. So it, it helps us, but who will we put out? Can we perform to, to what we should be able to? We'll see. Uh, we, we can give our predictions. Garrett, have you thought about who you think uh, we'll put out? I mean, I, I think... I think McKinney and Robbins and Anthony Robinson, that is, I think they, they are both nailed on to start. I, 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 like I would be beyond shocked if they were not starting in, in this game after, you know, having the rest going back to Columbus early, you know, not traveling. So I, I would be very surprised if they don't start. I'd be very surprised if Tyler Adams doesn't start. Um, but the problem with this is that I kind of wouldn't be surprised. Like, I'd be shocked in terms of that it's, it would be idiotic for them not to all be starting. But at the same time, it's Burhalter, So, like, it wouldn't be out of character. That's the problem here. No, absolutely. I mean, I, I expect all three of those to start. I have those in my predicted 11 as well, um, being Anthony Robinson, Weston McKinney, and Tyler Adams. But, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised considering Adams has played both of the games. Granted, he came off the bench. Um, but we know Greg Berhalter likes his rotation. Anthony Robinson, yeah, I think that he will start, but I would again wouldn't be shocked. McKinney is the I, I would be really really shocked to see him not start. Um, I expect him to be in that lineup. But yeah, I mean, th- those are those are some players that we don't we expect to start, and I think most people would expect to start, but. Greg Berhalter, as you said, that this, this is why we're putting our predictions out there because it's, 
it's it's hard, but it's it's a game that we'll play. We'll we'll try and predict, and if we get it right, hey, we hit the lottery. So I, here here's kind of what I want to do here. I I know you have a predicted eleven. How about I kind of oppose that and give what I would have as my eleven if I were Burhalter in this game? Okay. All so right. it's a it's a very different game, uh, but yes. Yeah, I mean, I'd be going with a relatively similar lineup, the same kind of core as we had against Jamaica. I think the midfield three of Musa, Adams, and McKenney. I think they should start this game. Do I think Musa will start this game? Probably not, because he started the last two. Um, it, it seemed, apparently, he picked up a bit of a knock or something, so Musa probably won't be starting. Um, we know Serginio Dest won't be starting. Um, but I think back line, I'd go Anthony Robinson. I think Walker Zimmerman should just play just for consistency for, you know, just be having some uh, cohesive part of the team, not be rotating every game. Um, I, I think we mentioned him earlier. I think Chris Richards should be playing. And then um, I, I'd go with Shaq Moore at, at right back. Justin, what's your predicted back line? So how, what do you think Greg's going to do? compared to what I would do if I were Greg. Yeah, well, my, my guess here is, obviously, we said Anthony Robinson already uh, at, on the left back. I think that uh, Robinson will start in the middle. Miles Robinson will start in the middle. And I agree, not only that he, we should start Richards, I believe Richards will get minutes. Um, I don't see why he would have called him in to this camp and give him no minutes. Um, he is a very promising player and i mean the quotes that continue to come out about him people are comparing him to some great players and saying that he could become a a top center back in europe um so hopefully that will become the case but he needs to get minutes in the national team and then so you have zimmerman uh, dropping to the bench then i do i do um because well he's played both games and yeah i I just think richards needs minutes um and, and i think he'll be given them on the right, you said you wanted Shaq Moore on the right. I, I would prefer Dest, but I believe uh, Yedlin will get those minutes. I, I don't know why. Don't ask me. I just I have that feeling that Yedlin's going to be there um, over Dest. It's, it's very possible Dest gets there. Shaq Moore would be surprising to me. But, um, but yeah, I, I, I'm going to predict that Yedlin gets in there. And then as far as the midfield, I agree that I think pretty much every USMNT fan would agree. We want to see Adams, McKinney, Musa. I I don't think anybody would think that there's a better three to play there, except maybe Greg Berhalter. Uh, I believe he'll bench (laughs) Musa. uh, And uh, I believe he'll play Sebastian Legette again uh, in that three. So I believe it'll be Adams, McKinney, and Legette uh, with Musa dropping to the bench after playing both games. Yeah, uh, I, that the, that does seem likely. Window. Yeah, that does seem yeah. likely. You you'd think Legette would go in. I think we'd both prefer to have uh Dilatore there instead of Legette. Um but or yeah, Busio. I mean, or or yeah, you I've almost forgot about Busio or Busio. Um yeah, I think Musa probably won't start. Um so it's kind of that's a decision and I think we yeah, I think we all kind of know where Burhalter is going to go with that because kind of like his, you know, love affair with uh, Jossie Zardes, he also kind of has one with Legette as well. But I mean, I will just say real quick, uh, I don't fully agree with your comments about Sebastian Legette. 
earlier because I do think that he has had some pretty good performances in the past year or so um, for the USMNT. He's actually, he scores a lot more for the US than he ever does in MLS, which is kind of perplexing, but I'm not sure. Anyway, I agree. I think, I think he plays, uh, I think he plays more up for us than he does. He plays, he plays more as a true eight um, in MLS, but in my, I will stand by it. I think he is a famous girlfriend merchant. I think that he <laughs> is, is not a good enough player to play on the national team. Famous girlfriend. That's hilarious. So I'd go. So with if, keeping in mind that Musa apparently is carrying a knock and that he's started both games. I, I think so. I, I'd agree with you. It's going to be McKinney and Adams. And then I'm going to go with De La Torre in terms of what I would like to see or what I would do if I were Burhalter. And then in terms of front lines, uh, we're both going to say Pepe because if he doesn't start Pepe, he's out of his mind, which I mean, we, he probably already is anyway. Um, and then I'm going to go with Brennan Aronson <laughs> on the right and um, Timothy Weah on the left. I think Ariola should drop to the bench. I was not impressed by his performance in Panama. Yep. Yeah, well, not only do are, are those the front three I want, those are the front three I'm predicting. I, I'm predicting um, – I think Aronson will be on the left though and way on the right, but it could be okay. either way, honestly. Um, but regardless, I, I, I want those front three. I believe we will get those front three. Um, so th- that's predicted. And then lastly, of course, is our goalkeeper position. Oh, you, um, you definitely have, you have no strong opinion on this do you, Justin. <laughs> no thoughts at all. No, uh, I, I, I will predict that Matt Turner gets the start because Matt Turner has started every world cup qualifier so far, but yes, as Garrett says, I have a very strong opinion on this. I do not believe that Matt Turner should be starting uh, over Zach Steffen. It's, it's just another decision that Greg Berhalter is embarrassing me as a USMNT fan. Um, He's just not good enough. Obviously, uh, Stefan was not available um, Burhalter, you against mean, Panama. Burhalter isn't good enough. Were you saying Matt Turner isn't yes. good enough? Turner isn't better than Stefan. He's 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 a he's a qual- he's a good keeper, but he first of all is extremely poor with his feet. People were saying he was looking better against Jamaica, and then he was giving Panama chance after chance by passing it to their attackers. Um, it, it's it's very problematic. He's a good shot stopper. I'm mean, nobody's arguing that, but there are levels to this game, and Stefan is at a higher level and should be starting. He is our number one. He is our best player, and I have heard enough of this playing time argument uh, with oh, well, Stefan doesn't get enough time at City. First of all, he plays every single cup game, and second of all, he is training with the best players in the world every single day. It's it's the best training he can get, and it's the best. He, he has the best coach in the world teaching him the best tactics in the world. Who who can and our goalkeeping coach at, at Manchester City is a ex- huge fan of Zach Steffen. He's the reason that Steffen is at City, and he's the re- reason that Pep trusts him. Um, I just I really struggle with this because there are other excuses when you play, um, like when you play par- Paul Ariola on the on the wing. I I tweeted, I don't know if I tweeted, but I, I sent it to a few people that I think that starting Turner over Stefan is a worse mistake than starting Areola. I um, disagree with that. I know you disagreed with that. Um, but what I said was, and uh, referring to the Jamaica game specifically in this, um, what I said was 
it, it makes sense. At least there's an excuse for Ariola. Ariola is a defensive work rate winger. He he works a lot harder um, than than other players will in that in that right wing position, which allows Des to fly forward a lot more and a lot more freely. So there, there's it makes sense, and it ended up working. Des got the uh, assist on Pepe's first goal. So so there's reasons to have uh, somebody who's not attacking wise and and has other attributes. But when you're talking about a goalkeeper, it sh- it's simply who's the best goalkeeper, and that that includes shot stopping, but it also includes playing with your feet. Now that is part of the criteria of being a goalkeeper in the modern age of football. And Matt Turner can't do it, so it's it's a major minus for him. And I still believe that Stefan is a better shot stopper, although it's a lot closer. I get that argument. So. I, I struggle with this, um, and obviously, I may be a little bit biased as a city fan, but uh, I just only, I understand only has Zach Stefan as sensation. his uh, only has Zach Stefan as his AVI on, uh, AVI on Twitter. Not like he's a big Zach Stefan fan or anything. <laughs> well, because that's the only American who plays for City. It's it's a connection for me, but but I mean, it's not like I'm going to say Zach Stefan is better than Ederson. He's not. He should be behind Ederson, but he's better than Matt Turner and he should be starting for the national team. Uh, I, I think it's just problematic and another mistake that Berhalter continually makes. So, and, and I believe he'll make it in the Costa Rica game. I believe Turner will start in the Costa Rica game. Yeah. I mean, I was actually kind of debating this with one of my coworkers uh, last night and, and it's, you know, I have no problem with Matt Turner. I think he's been very good for the U S I think, you know, I think he should be kind of making a jump to Europe soon, in my opinion, just, you know, he, he has been showcasing himself, obviously playing for the best team in MLS right now, playing very well for the U.S. But, you know, you don't get picked 15 times by Pep Guardiola for no reason. Zach Steffen is, as you say, at a higher level. Like he is, you, you think Matt Turner would be getting selected by Guardiola over Zach Steffen? No chance, no chance. And, um, you know, I still think that Ariola, although Ariola wasn't horrible against uh, Jamaica, he was decent, but he was horrible against Panama because as soon as Dest isn't there, you know, that whole side has offers absolutely nothing going forward. Cause, cause Ariola just is not good in the final third, you know, point blank. Um, I still think that Ariola probably less so for the Jamaica game, but pretend that Stefan is available for the, for the Panama game. I still think that Ariola starting that game is, is a much worse decision than Turner just because Turner hasn't, you know, done anything particularly wrong. Yes. He probably padded his save stats a bit in that Panama game because a a few of the outstanding saves that he did make were basically him bailing himself out. As you said, he gave the ball away too many times. Um, So yeah, I I agree with the fact that Stefan should be starting. And I also agree with the fact that I don't think he will. Yeah. Uh, I, I will disagree on the fact that Matt Turner will move to Europe. I don't think any European team will be interested with the way that Turner plays with his feet. Uh, it's so much more important than Europe and it, than it is in MLS. He, in MLS, he can simply boot it out or have a little bit more time. But I, I think he, if he moves to Europe, it will be a struggle for him. I don't know, man. If he, find, if he finds a team like Burnley, like Nick Pope is pretty useless with his feet, but he's just so good at shopping stop, at stopping shots. rather that, you know, it doesn't really matter. So it, 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 I think it would take a certain profile of team, which I agree is becoming less and less common in Europe. But do I think Matt Turner is a good enough shot stopper to play in Europe? Honestly, I do. And if he can improve with his feet, and, you know, he's only 27. That's, 
you know, not old for a goalkeeper. Um, I, I still think that he could make that Older jump. than Stefan. Yeah. I mean, yeah, but still, you look at, in terms of how far goalkeepers go, Gianluigi Donnarumma aside, 27 is not very old for a goalkeeper. And I still think that yeah. Turner has the potential sure. to play in Europe because, you know, quite simply, he's good at keeping the ball out of his own net. He is. Yep. So just quickly running through the, my predicted lineup, Turner, uh, Anthony Robinson, Miles Robinson, Richards, Yedlin, Adams, McKinney, Legette, Aronson, Pepe, Wea. That's my predicted. Um, and since, since Garrett went over his uh, hopeful, what he, what he hopes, I will say Turner, Robinson, Richards, uh, sorry, Turner, Robinson, Robinson, Richards, Dest, Adams, McKinney, Musa, Aronson, Pepe, Wea. So you wait. So you're you're hoping that Turner starts. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry. Yes, <laughs> Stefan. Stefan. Okay, but 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 you want Miles Robinson to to come back in the side. Yeah, well, because I want him to partner Richards. Um, I believe that that can be a partnership for the future, and I need. I think they need to develop chemistry as soon as possible. Um, so. And the more of it, the better. Though so I would like him to be the one partnering Richards. Uh, Makes sense. And I think with But that, as I said before, I think Walker is that fourth position. I do think oh, yeah. Walker is that yeah. fourth position. I still think John Brooks is number one, but I think Walker has taken that fourth position as the fourth best center back um, on the U.S. men's national team. I mean, I think John Brooks' number one should be under jeopardy, though, just after, as we talked about, how god-awful he was in that last window. But, you know... Obviously, three games don't define the fact that he's been the U.S.'s best center back for the, you know, the past seven years or whatever it is, basically, since the 2014 World Cup. Um, but, Justin, any last notes before we wrap up this episode? Let's go beat Costa Rica and beat them handily. Score prediction? 3-0. Three 3-0. Nil. Three nil. Wow, I'm going to go... I'm going to go with the same score as the Jamaica game. I'm going to go 2-0. And I think Pepe will bag, and I think Brendan Aronson will get a, kind of an insurance goal towards the end of the game. I like that specificity. Watch it come true. No, uh, yeah, because I think it'll be like 1-0 towards the end, and we'll still be kind of like biting our nails because it's Burhalter and it's USMNT, and we're not going to make it easy on ourselves. And, and then I think Aronson will score, and it'll just be like a collective sigh of relief. But with that, that wraps us up for this week's episode. Thank you all for listening. Um, be sure to follow us on Twitter at U90Football. That's at U90Football. Um, we'll be back next week as the Premier League returns. Um, and we will also be finally uh, discussing the game that we've been leading up to for months, it seems, because we will be going to the Earthquakes at LAFC game on Saturday at the bank. Um, and so that, that'll be a good time. And, you know, one of us will probably be very happy uh, for that episode that we record next week, and one of us probably won't. But uh, so please look forward to that, and I'm looking forward to it. Um, and with that said, we'll see you when that comes out next week. Um, and until then, uh, let's hope that we get those points against Costa Rica. Thanks for listening.